Hello, and welcome to episode two of Snapshot Studio's special broadcast, Salamander. I'm Rachel Brooks. If you're just joining us, you have a lot to catch up on. Please head over to episode one to get caught up on this story. Last time, I had an abrupt but extremely telling interview with Owen Rose Haddad. Given the nature of what transpired, I have to hold off on trying to get in touch with her again. But at the advice of my lovely ex-evangelical fiancé Tom, I went to St. Luke's Presbyterian Church here in Brooklyn to get some answers about the Clark family. Specifically, the late Alan and Georgia Clark, whose remains were found at their home which burned down at the hands of an arsonist. An arsonist who, despite Owen's confession in the last episode, is still legally at large. The following is my interview with Associate Pastor Bob Riker, who pleasantly obliged to speak with me. To my listeners at home, what you are about to hear contains graphic details that are not appropriate for children, and may be triggering for those of you who have experienced abuse. Thank you. Nice to meet you, Bob Riker. Rachel Brooks. I arrived at St. Luke's and was warmly greeted by an older gentleman named Bob. Bob and I spoke on the phone, and he was more than willing to give an interview. I'll admit, I was surprised at the ease of getting someone at the church to talk to me. I assumed they'd be secretive and not want to comment on an ongoing investigation. Bob is in his 70s and was at St. Luke's in the beginning. No pun intended. You, you look really familiar. Where, where do I know you from? I knew that this was going to happen. I was on a show in the 90s, Brighton. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, oh, the, the little girl. Oh, my daughters love that show. It is still on Nick at Night sometimes. Yeah. It is my pleasure. The girls are going to be tickled pink about this. Uh, remind me to get a photo with you afterwards. Thank you again for allowing me to talk to you and record you. Absolutely. I'll do my best. I'm having trouble finding out about the Clarks as a family. All I really know is from their obituary. Seven kids, church people, but not much else. Well, when I first met them, they only had one kid, Adam, their first. Appropriate. Yeah. (laughs) Well, he was little then when we started the church, maybe two. Georgia was pregnant. A couple months later, they had another son, Job, and then their daughter, Sarah. And then while she was still a toddler, Georgia had the twins, Becca and Joseph. So, wow, all five within, like, six years. Exactly. They were late-in-life parents, mid-30s when Adam was born, but the Lord was faithful to them. That puts their biological kids in their 40s by now? Yeah. Did anything about their family stand out? (laughs) Everything. Alan was the senior pastor. Georgia headed the women's ministry. The girls sang in the choir. The boys were active in the scouts and church camp. They were a beautiful family. And then Owen just fell into their lap when they were empty nesters. The Lord has a way of upsetting our plans, doesn't he? 
I mean, I remember Alan coming to me and asking for prayer. This orphan girl needed a home, a Muslim girl. He and Georgia just wanted to show her God's love and bring her into their home. Real quick, this lingo was new to me, but I guess it's a pretty common thing. Christians talking plainly about conversations with God, what God asked them to do, what God called them to do. My fiancé later explained to me that none of them are referring to an audible voice of God. Even in Christian circles, people who actually hear God are regarded skeptically. What they're referring to is this intangible feeling, a spiritual pull toward a certain decision, similar to our mainstream idea of conscience. So you knew the Clarks pretty well. Of course. Alan and I founded the church. We were both here when they broke ground. Did you stay in touch after he left? Well... I was on the committee that decided he should go, so no, we weren't on the best of terms. Wait, I thought he retired. No, no, no. Where did you hear that? His obituary. No, no, no. After what happened to the boy, me and the other elders couldn't have him on staff. What boy? What happened? His son. From the Philippines, Jay. There it was. The other adopted child that I had no idea about. Jay, from the Philippines. Tell me about Jay. Oh, well, let's see. Uh, It was about a year after they adopted Owen. God called them to adopt another child. They felt called to adopt a boy this time, from overseas, but but not a baby. God gave them a vision of a 12-year-old boy. And the church prayed with them that God would lead them to this child, and, and soon the agency contacted them. And we prayed over the church offering, and God told us to help them fund this adoption. This boy needed them. The church helped pay the adoption expenses? Is that allowed? Our elder board decided that a percentage of the tithes and offerings would be used to Uh, make the adoption in this case. We make decisions like this all the time, but but not lightly. And the congregation was very supportive of Alan and Georgia adopting Jay. People donated to them voluntarily. So they adopt Jay. He comes to the U.S. It was a struggle. Jay wasn't adjusting so well. Behavior issues. They never really knew what things were like for him in the orphanage. He was a quiet kid. Quiet. And, and then, aggressive and obnoxious. No in-between. He, he had a few outbursts in church. Uh, he was on medication for that um, uh, ADHD that seemed to work for a while. So what happened that led to Alan's dismissal? Uh, Alan came to me one day and asked for prayer. At this point... I was beginning to learn that asking for prayer was code for gossip or confiding in someone. Alan said that he needed guidance. He had caught Jay with his daughter, Owen Rose. She was 13 at the time. Jay was 15. What do you mean, caught him with her? His exact words were vague. He said uh, impropriety happened between his adoptive son and daughter, He wouldn't tolerate incest in his house. Their family was united by God. Owen and Jay were blood in God's eyes, and their sin was too much for him to bear. I pressed him for more details. 
Bob explained to me that when a member of the church comes to the elders with a matter like this, they have a meeting to discuss what can be done. The elders suggested to Alan and Georgia that they begin family counseling and temporarily remove Jay from the home. So that's what happened next. Only, the counseling wasn't with a therapist. It was with the church elders. We asked Owen about her relationship with her brother. Wait, so the board of elders, a group of men, sat in a room with a teenage girl and asked her about her sex life? Nothing too graphic. We, we mostly encouraged her to pray for these feelings to go away, these feelings that the enemy put there. The enemy, I learned, refers to Satan. We met with Jay separately and did the same. Neither child was cooperative. How so? Jay was defiant, cursing at us. Owen was dramatic, saying she was in love, and they they wouldn't hear of it. Jay had been staying with another family from the church, so they were upset they couldn't see each other. Georgia was heartbroken. Alan was uh, angry. Bob said that these counseling sessions lasted a few more weeks, and then the elder board encouraged the Clarks to send Jay, not Owen, just Jay, to a Christian youth rehabilitation camp in Jamaica, First Hope. Before I go on, I just want to say that my producers researched the camp and it is no longer open. I will get more into First Hope and what we did find in the next episode. When Jay came back, things seemed promising. Alan and Georgia thought the Lord had finally gotten through to him, but then at our annual church picnic, Owen and Jay wandered off into the woods. I, I don't know what Alan found them doing when he went looking for them, but he snapped. And, and look, I'm, I'm a proponent of spare the rod and spoil the child, especially one like Jay, who had such a sinful nature. But Jay should have gone to the hospital after that beating. And, and look, he, he's not my child. It's, it's not my business, except that it happened at our picnic. He beat Jay in front of everyone? Everyone heard it. But he was down in the ravine away from the crowd. But I walked down and I saw it. I'd never seen Alan that way. Cursing. Screaming like a madman. He, w- he was hitting Jay with a stick. At first, I didn't intervene. I'll spare you the audio retelling. But according to Bob, Alan held Jay down and began brutally beating him with a stick. Some bystanders at the park, not with the church, intervened right away. The police were called, and that was the last church function the Clarks were ever a part of at St. Luke's. I gave my statement to the cops. There was never a charge filed against him. Not sure why, but we couldn't let Alan through our doors again. Do you know what happened to Jay after that? No idea. We parted ways with Alan. I... I prayed for Georgia and his family, but I didn't follow up. When we dismissed Alan at the meeting, he made it very clear that we should uh, stay away from him, so I respected that. Did anyone from the church stay in touch with him? Well, if they did, I don't know about it. The Clarks were close with one particular family. They still attend, but I'm not sure if they stayed friends. After something like that, you know... It divided the church. It brought up a lot of ugly talk about discipline and and the sinful nature of children. People said awful things about adoption. This other family you mentioned that the Clarks were close with, 
What can you tell me about them? Uh, Well, I'd I'd rather not say their names or too much since you're recording. But, But they had two biological daughters and adopted two sons from Africa. The Clarks and them got along, having been through the adoption process. They had that in common. And, and after this incident, people would, would leave them nasty voicemails saying they better keep an eye on their girls, that this boy they adopted would rape them, just like Jay had gone after Owen Rose. Just it's awfully fear-mongering stuff. Adoption became a taboo in our church. And it's supposed to be a command from God, take care of widows and orphans. Did Ellen and George's biological children surface through any of this? Uh, No, they they all live out of state, actually. I'd heard from my wife, a couple other people, that uh, a couple of them were estranged from Ellen. None of them had much, if any, relationship with Owen or Jay. Uh, you know... Bob, given the intensity and controversy of this incident with Alan and Jay, why did you choose to talk to me about it? I mean, I really appreciate it, but are you worried at all about backlash? (laughs) You're not used to people being open with you, huh? (laughs) I'm a reporter. It's all I know. Well, Rachel, when you get to be my age, you have a lot of regrets. People don't like to admit it, but when your death is closer in view, you see your exit approaching, you start to slow down. It used to matter to me so much about what other people thought. It was all I knew. Christians. We believe that when we die, we have to give account to God for the things we did and didn't do. And lately, not a day goes by when I don't dread that moment that that God asks me, why didn't you help that boy more? Why didn't you defend him? Follow up. Press the police to investigate. I guess I was embarrassed. I was shocked. My mind tried to to rationalize, tried to tell me that that it didn't really happen, or that it was just a spanking that I'd misinterpreted. My eyes were playing tricks on me. All that, but... I know what happened. And so does God. And I'm not looking forward to what God has to say about it. In fact, (laughs) I don't even think God's gonna touch me after I'm dead. There is a special place in hell for people who do things to kids, but right next door is a special place for people who knew about it and let it happen. Honestly, Rachel, when you called me, I smiled and thought I knew it. Someday, God was going to put me on the spot. And here we are. After my interview with Bob Riker, I asked him if he'd be willing to disclose the name of the family he'd mentioned, the Clark's friends with two adoptive sons. I could be hitting a dead end, but it sounded like they'd know something. Bob eventually agreed, but told me not to hope for much. He also asked that I not use their real names if I do get an interview. They'd been through a lot. 
Another thing I will say is that for my first experience in a church, I was pleasantly surprised. Bob was a kind and honest man, and regardless of what I think of his actions, I just want to thank him for meeting with me. It's just that white guilt, feigned humility bullshit that these guys put up. I mean, you look at the facts, he's a monster too. That's Tom again. He doesn't think I should be giving Bob any credit for his openness. That Bob's confession to me was just so he could try to absolve himself of what he let happen. This happened a few years ago, right? This guy could go to jail when this airs. Do you think of that? I think he probably did. He was very... broken. Welcome to the evangelical church, where pedophiles and child abusers can call themselves broken sinners. Get sympathy instead of accountability. Yeah, you might be right. But we all do things we regret. Yeah, sure. I showed up to a uh, final in college one time, drunk, puked on the TA. I regret that. But I didn't watch a kid get clobbered and do nothing. He has a point. Bob was nice, but so what? At least he gave me some more information. And maybe another lead. That same night, I made a phone call with the information that he gave me. I'm choosing not to use their real names, but I'll call them the Gunderson family. They took my call and, to my surprise, invited me over to their home to talk. Salamander is a production of Snapshot Broadcast Studios and Insapient Podcasts. It is produced by Jeff Baldwin and written by Ashley Dunstan. Please subscribe to, rate, and review Salamander on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Facebook at Insapient Podcasts and on Twitter at Insapient Pod. Visit our website at insapientpodcasts.com for more information and show notes for each episode. While you're there, if you have any tips or insight into this story or simply want to say hello, click on the Make Contact link at the top of the site. We'd love to hear from you. Finally, if you'd like to help us keep producing this show, consider donating to us at insapientpodcasts.com support. Every little bit helps. Thank you for listening. Until next time, take care of yourselves and always be vigilant.